When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Sunday, September 20th. Joining us today, once again, we got Alicia Rodriguez from SB Nation. Alicia, how you doing? Doing pretty well. How about you today? Pretty good, pretty good. So uh, Sunday, so we had both uh, LAFC and LA Galaxy play this weekend. Fortunately, both teams lost. Um, but before we get into that, how you been and what you been up to? Um, well, I've been all right. Um, staying healthy and, um, you know, just there's games like, feels like every, every other day there's a game. So, uh, yeah, just, just staying busy. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And you cover all the Cali teams. So you're, you're busy watching game after game. And we're talking pre-chat that I, you always post articles as soon as the game's done. So I give you credit to that. Cause like, as soon as the game's done, I get to read your article, get to read your thoughts. And, uh, once again, you do, you do such a great job. Um, but yeah, but let's get into the, the LA Galaxy game. Obviously, a disappointing 0-2 loss. Um, they were they were rolling. They won. They won five out of the last six games. You know, they had back-to-back shutouts. To me, I think this was a tricky game for them um, because you know you had you had uh, you know a healthier Jonah dos Santos coming in. You had Chicharito coming in. We knew they were going to come in the second half, but we never saw their offense. They had like a lot a lot of offensive struggles, and it looked like they were defending a lot more. And it was very surprising to see Colorado um, determine the pace of the game. And everything just fit, you know, like I was like, all right, the first half, I get it. It, You know, they're a little slow, but it kind of just led them throughout the whole game that Colorado kind of controlled the whole game. And obviously they ended up losing a disappointing 0-2 loss. Um, Just give me your thoughts about what you saw from the Galaxy. Yeah, I thought in a lot of ways it was a continuation of the previous game against the Earthquakes, um, you know, which that was a result. It was a nil-nil loss or nil-nil draw, but um, the attack just seemed a little bit sleepy. Uh, there just wasn't that kind of killer edge, and and even just getting chances was was hard to come by. Um, defensively, obviously, it was it was a little bit worse than the previous game because they gave up two goals, but. Uh, one of those goals was when they were down to 10 men. Um, I think the first goal, obviously it's the kind of uh, goal that you don't want to give up, of course, but a ball over the top, basically mm-hmm. over the player's shoulder, and he he uh, redirects it in uh, without it, you know, like pu- pulling it out of the air and redirecting it into the net. I mean, that's a hard, you know, kind of shot to stop if, if the player is right on target, and, and he was in that case, so... But I thought the attacking issues are a little bit more of a concern uh, for me coming out of this game than than the defense. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you on that. It was just you, we never saw the offensive struggle. So we saw Pavone. I think he he had a bad game. He struggled, and I don't think we we saw Jonah Dos Santos or Chicharito once they came in the second half. They in no way impacted the game. Um, and that to me is very surprising because you know you expect that you know once they have everybody healthy and everything you 
you know, things are going to start to flow better. That That's just what you would see on paper. But those offensive struggles, and I know people on, on Twitter and the fans are like, oh, it's because we brought Chicharito back in and, you know, want to blame it on that. I don't necessarily agree with that the whole way. But when you have those – because they, they were having those offensive struggles last game and this game, even before he got onto the game. You know what I'm saying? Even before – there was a couple chances that – Efrain Alvarez, you know, I think it was in the second half, he, you know, he shook a couple defenders, and instead of taking a shot, he decides to pass. And that, to me, I'm like, you're inside the box already. You, you know, like, take the shot. And it was just a bad decision. And then overall, it was just a bad game for them. And then uh, when you – he he also had another pass to Zubak. Zubak, uh, I think it was in the first half, he didn't completely make his full run. And it, and it, I don't think he was expecting the pass. And you kind of see that they're, they're kind of not in sync. And it seems to me – Credit to Zubak from from the way he's you know he's played for them, but I think at times he's a step behind the player, step behind. He can't read certain situations or he doesn't expect the pass. You know, it's those those things to me um, are a little concerning. You know, and especially once you get Jonah Dos Santos in, you get Chicharito in, like nothing changed. Yeah, I mean, I think Zubak. I think he's had some good moments this season. He's put in. He was put into a really tough situation, basically being the second forward on the team. And when Chicharito got hurt, it was sort of like, okay, this is your time. I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point he's not uh, a consistent starting forward in MLS at this point in his career. You know, he's a guy who can maybe start for you once in a while, more of a bench guy, change of pace, that kind of thing. To me, I mean, I, like I've seen a lot of talk about, you know, Chicharito's a terrible investment and, you know, what a waste already, you know, it's over for him. I mean, the guys started, I think, three games this season. So I, I feel like you need to give them some run, uh, some starts, and some real playing time. You know, if maybe after 10 starts, the attack still seems like it's completely lost and he's not scoring at all, okay, fair enough. But, I mean, to me, it is so early to, like, completely write him off. Um, I don't think that he's going to – you know, have the gravitational pull that Zlatan Ibrahimovic had. But I do think that he needs some time to actually get acclimated. And, um, you know, especially in in a season like this, it's like the weirdest season ever. Mm -hmm. And then add on that, you know, this calf injury that he had um, for a couple months. Um, He just needs some time. And if we, you know, we need to give him like a, a real chance and then, you know, if, if it's still not happening after the real chance, fair enough. But um, to me, it's just crazy to say, well, he scored one goal, but I mean, he's barely played any minutes and, um, you know, he's coming off an injury. He's barely started, like, you know, cut the guy some slack. My goodness, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. And I, I do agree with you 100% that the fans are overreacting on, you know, obviously he's him coming back. I think it's just so much expectation came with him. And obviously, he came to view the way Galaxy promoted him was like, this is the savior for our season. You know, this is record-breaking signing. They put him up with like, this is the second or the biggest signing next to David Beckham. You know, that, that's why I feel like LA Galaxy fans are so disappointed um, with this play and not producing right now. And I agree with you. That I think you still need to give him a little bit more time with, uh, with more games. Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, he's coming back from this calf injury. Um, on top of that, like I said, that offense didn't look good with him, even before he got in with the San Jose game. On top of this, I would just add, I think the the criticism is fair that the fans 
um, expect it, you know, or, or saying those things. I think it's just fair from fans' point of view because, you know, this is the LA Galaxy. They are the five-time MLS Cup champions, and Chicharito is viewed as the savior for the Galaxy, even though Pavone has had a way better season. I would argue that Pavone, this is – Pavone has – is, is a better leader just the way he's he's producing doing everything for the LA Galaxy but obviously Chicharito's a name brand everybody knows him worldwide and when you're not producing you're scoring those goals what fans expected of you I think that's where it starts to come but I'm also w- with you that we need to give him a little bit more time with what things how things going on tricky season and especially he's coming back from an injury I just want to talk about uh the minutes do you do you feel like he played 30, I think 33 minutes last, uh, against San Jose. And then I played, played uh, I forgot how many minutes he played last night, but I, I think it was about 30 minutes. About 35, think, I think. 35. Do you think, do you think that's a lot for him coming back from that kind of injury or, or am I over, or am I just making too much of this? Um, well, calf injuries can be tricky. You know, they're the kind of things that can linger. So if a player comes back too soon and he's not fully recovered, they can get hurt way worse. Um, you know, it's it's just a weird injury. Like it's it's one of those that you really can't say, okay, this is a four week injury. Boom! Like it after four weeks, they're going to be perfectly fine. Uh, that's not how they work. So um, I'm a little I'm a little more concerned with uh, Scalotto kind of really being cautious with uh, Dos Santos because he he's coming off a surgery, which understandably is a big thing. Um, but he keeps bringing him off the bench for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, that kind of thing. It makes me wonder if they are bringing him back a little bit sooner than they probably ought to have, or if, um, you know, this is normal and this is just kind of how it has to proceed. But, um, you know, he's been in training quite a bit longer than Chicharito has been uh, recently, you know, leading up to his return. So, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised about that, but you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'll say that you know right up front. But um, yeah, a little, you know, a little, yeah. little bit confused about that. I would, I would agree with you on that. I think they they're really taking their time with, with Jonas Asanz. Obviously, he had an, uh, he had surgery. Um, I I was just surprised, for, I guess, for Chicharito to have 30, 30 plus minutes back to back games when how slow they brought in uh, Jonas Santos. Obviously, you just mentioned that uh, you're not a doctor. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. They they know what they're doing down there. I think when you bring on a, pay, a player for uh, 30 minutes and he doesn't impact it, I think that's where it starts to, that's where fans start to see, start to get a little agitated, you know, and it just doesn't seem like they're sinking, they're sinking right now altogether. Um, but we'll see what happens. They're going to have to face RSL on Wednesday. They have a quick turnaround there. RSL on Wednesday, and then they got Sounders at home. So these games are coming in quick, you know, so it's like you're potentially going to start to see, uh, other players get you know get a get a starting role you know we may not see the regular starters uh, potentially start because of how quick these games are coming and I'm very interested to see who's going to start on Wednesday and whether say you have the starters there but do they finish the game out because you got you got another quick turnaround and the main reason for that you want to avoid injury you want to avoid players getting tired and I think a question was asked yesterday in the media to the LA Galaxy players that if they kind of ran out of gas, you know, after winning five out of the last six games, you could kind of, you kind of saw that, you know, I think, I think you, you tweeted something out that Esther said that, uh, you know, I'm not going to quote him right now, but it was to the likes of him agreeing that the team kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that all teams are, are dealing with at this point. Um, having such a long layoff unexpected earlier this year, then having the tournament, having a ton of games in the tournament, 
then having a few weeks off. And then now it's just like most teams are playing twice a week at this point. Um, so we're seeing lots of uh, peaks and valleys right now with, with all kinds of teams. Like it's been interesting to watch from a little bit of a broader perspective because you see, um, you know, on a Saturday night, a team will be like, oh, this is, you know, this was such a great win. We're so happy about it. Then on Wednesday they play again and they're like, oh, this is rock bottom. This was such a horrible loss. Like they're all going through this stretch right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a few teams that aren't. I think one of the bad things is that one of the only teams that doesn't seem to be going through a real rough stretch right now is the Sounders, um, who look like they're really on top of the world right now. Yeah, they're rolling. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's that's going to be a little bit of a, of a test, I think, for the Galaxy. I think Wednesday's game is, is really interesting because, um, like – you know, the Galaxy have been playing really well for the most part in this latest phase of the season, you know, returning to play locally. The last two games, I think they're sputtering a little bit and there's a bit of a reason for concern. But um, RSL have been kind of all over the place in, in this phase. So I think it's it's sort of a toss-up. It's, it's a matter of what kind of team you're going to see um, on both sides uh, on the night. The Sounders game, I think, is a little bit more like if you're going to plan out your, your lineups, you may – you may either want to go with your strongest lineup against the Sounders to really go toe to toe and and make that like a litmus test, or you may want to punt on that game and try and go for three points against RSL, you know, you know, you, you you rotate a little bit more and see if some guys can step up and and be a surprise and and carry you through the, you know, the next little stretch. Um, So, so we'll see how that goes, but um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting time because I just think all teams are are really struggling right now with with the number of games, the injuries, the kind of mental fatigue that everyone is is experiencing. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be very interesting uh, to see how Guillermo views these, you know, how he approaches these games against RSL, like you just mentioned. Um, you know, how many starters? You know, he's been uh, criticized at times for subbing players and you know, leaving players out there a little bit too long. So. He, I think at this point he understands that there's way too many games coming in uh, really quick. So it's going to be interesting who comes in at defense, who comes in at mid, you know, how many minutes each player gets, you know, and like we were just talking, how much will Jonah Dos Santos and uh, Chicharito will play. just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Galaxy Fan Talk. You know, I was in Vegas, well, I was in Vegas today watching, I watched the game with those guys and they, they invited me over. So I had a great time watching the, the game with them because I, uh, I knew they'd be listening to this. So I just want to give them a quick shout out. Um, I want to talk about Rajo. Uh, Julian Araujo, to me, he's been, I think, the, the second biggest, the second best player for the LA Galaxy, obviously right behind uh, Pavone. I love his intensity, but yesterday I caught up to him. I caught up to him in a bad way. He's, he's had back-to-back games with yellow cards. You know, he's, he's very, very aggressive on what you want from a defender, but at times he doesn't know how to pick his spots, and he ended up getting a red card. Someone said that I think he said something to the ref, which potentially, which led to him getting that second yellow. Uh, I think he's a player that just has to know. Uh, he just that's where he has to mature, you know. Because after he, after he went out and and they went with ten men, that's where the game really. I mean, the pace was already on Colorado side, and on top of that, I think it just deflated Galaxy a little bit more, just being down or mad. Um, what have you seen from Araujo, and what do, what do you think about his intensity? Yeah, I mean, I think last night uh, was pretty disappointing, um, especially because the second yellow card appeared to be a, a dissent, um, you know, saying something to the ref. And um, after the game, Scalotto said that 
uh, he must have said something to the air because you know he he's not that kind of player basically like he he's he wouldn't be the kind to to yell at the ref and you know say something really untoward so you know it must have been a mis- big misunderstanding but he'll learn from it that kind of thing um i think it's it's a little bit unfortunate because he's he's really been impressive um like you said i mean i think he's been one of the best players this season for them he's um he seems more mature on the whole uh overall um he's displaying an ability to uh, play a few different positions and um it, i guess it turns out that rolf filcher had a little bit of a injury but um i get the impression that most people aren't too upset that uh Araujo is has been starting it right back in, in his place lately mm-hmm. um not at all yeah, I think Araujo has been playing really well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things where when you you have young players, you know, sometimes they have a bad game, sometimes they make a mistake and they get a red card. And um, I don't think that he was the reason they lost because they were already down at that point, and it's not like the game was was really. Um, you know, they weren't flying or anything like that. Like, it, it didn't seem like a, a goal was imminent. At the same time, obviously, it didn't help things. And who knows what would have happened if, if they had stayed, um, you know, with, with everyone on the field. They could have gotten an equalizer. You know, we'll never know. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, if, if, if he gets uh, to come back in the lineup after he serves a suspension, um, you know, I, I think he can probably bounce back pretty quickly and, and still be a pretty uh, big contributor. But you know, with if the team starts to dip a little bit, um, we know that Scalotto has really preferred Felcher for the most part when he's healthy. So, you know, this this could be a big thing. It may, it may be a few more months before Araujo comes back into the lineup potentially if if uh, he likes his lineup otherwise. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how how this shakes out. What what the kind of knock on effects are down the line for Julian um, after this red card. Yeah, I I don't I don't know, I'm I'm not sure. I think he he will still be on the lineup. Obviously, he's not going to be available for RSL because he got that red card. So we're gonna you're gonna have to save him for uh for the Sounders game. Um, I know Kevin Baxter tweeted out that Ralph Felcher he had like a like a minor setback or something, so he had some some type of injury. Um, so we're gonna see. Obviously, we're gonna see Ralph back on Wednesday, or depending how serious that injury is gonna be. I think for me, this is a very big learning uh, learning experience for Araujo because, you know, like I said, he's been the second best player. He's going to have to learn from this situation. And I think I'm glad it happened in this game because Galaxy won really in this game, right? And obviously him going out it just makes made things more difficult for Galaxy to, you know, to come back, you know, get, you know, just to potentially tie the game or, you know, go up on this game. I think it's it's good that it happened during this game because – as a whole, the whole team didn't have a good game. Um, because if this happens in a close game, say you're playing in the playoffs against uh, Seattle Sounders and you and you get a red card, you're pretty much, I mean, that, that you're, you're pretty much down there like in the playoffs. So I think I'm going to view, I'm going to just analyze how Rahu decides to be aggressive. You know, I like his aggressiveness. I think he just, like I said earlier, he just needs to know how to pick his spots. And once, you know, and avoid getting those yellow cards because you avoid getting yellow cards early, you know, and especially – try to avoid getting that second yellow card because you're a player that the team depends on. You're a player that is potentially going to go to Europe. You're a player that a lot of scouts, a lot of European scouts are looking at you 
they're also going to look, you know, Guillermo is also going to look at, hey, this is a point for you to mature. You're, you're our second biggest horse right now, and you're so critical to us on our defense. You have the speed to sprint back. You have the, the speed, you know, go up against the best defender on the other team. So he has to understand that he is, like, if not the second biggest piece on this team, especially on the defensive end, especially on the right flank, you know. So I think if this is a great learning experience from him, and moving forward, I, I don't expect we'll see this again from Araujo. Yeah, I, I think you're right that it's a, you know, if you're going to have a bad moment, this is the right time to have a bad moment. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, it, it, if this is just a blip, then it's a blip. I mean, all, all kinds of players get red cards and uh, most of them are not warranted. You know, the, they're not a good idea to have done. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. But I, I think you make a great point that, um, you know, it's, it's an okay moment to do it. Not the best, but not the worst. And yeah, he's he's becoming vital enough that uh, he needs to step up now and 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 kind of watch himself a little bit better moving forward. Yeah. So I just want to hit up a, a couple of things. So uh, uh, Christian Pavone uh, got called up to the national the, the Argentinian national team. Um, I, I think that just speaks volumes, obviously, to the way he has been playing the season. Um, you know, he's getting early MVP candidates. Um, you know, nods. Um, I'm excited for Pavone on this, uh, on what you know is to come for him. Um, but I think Galaxy are definitely going to miss him once the Comable games come in. You know, who is that player that they're gonna that's going to step up for him? You know, and I, I know Guillermo's already thinking about that. It's it, you know, it's a positive, but it's also a challenging thing for the Galaxy. You know. Um, also, I feel like his price is going up, and this also makes me understand that Argentina is really paying attention to him because if you're invited to the 30-man roster, we know how talented uh, Argentinian uh, soccer players are. So I think it, I think his, his price is starting to go up, and I don't know how, you know, I, I talked about this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago with uh, Josh Gessman, you know, we, we we're talking about the, the transfer fee. It could be anywhere potentially. Uh, you know, we're talking about potentially being told of 15. Uh, or reports are coming out that, uh, from Argentina that it wasn't 20 million. Now, I don't know. You know, I think it's, it's just starting to grow up and it's starting to look like uh, potentially the LA Galaxy may or may not be able to afford him. Um, what do you make of this call-up and what do you make of the potential of this transfer? Yeah, I think it's usually he's getting called up. I mean, obviously he's still a player under contract at Boca. Um, obviously he plays for Guillermo, who, you know, was, uh, you know, was a legend in Argentina. So, that and he's he's played in a world cup for argentina so it's not like um you know this is coming out of nowhere you know he has mm -hmm. he has some experience with the with the national team but i mean i think it's a really good um sign that uh south american teams are giving more credence to mls and mls players you know even a team i mean argentina is one of the two biggest team you know national teams in south america and they're calling up uh, MLS players, that's a pretty big deal. Like really, it's a, it's a really big deal. Um, I think you're right that it's pretty risky for the galaxy because if he does end up on the final roster for the, the uh, qualifiers, he's almost certainly going to miss time. I feel like I'm, I'm really curious to see if the league is going to take any kind of a break with the international window. I think the players could use it. Like the ones who are not going on international duty, I think they could use it. This could be sure i i think that um it's going to be an interesting time because 
I'm curious to see if the league has a uh, break during the international uh, window that's coming up, if, if they're going to, you know, have the players who are not going on national team duty, give them five days or whatever to just sort of stop and relax and kind of regroup a little bit, or if they're going to schedule games throughout that, that stretch just because they need to get the games in. Um, so that's going to be a pretty interesting thing to watch, I think, for, on all sides. Um, but yeah, it's, it's risky for the Galaxy, not only for his on-field contributions, there's literally no one who can replace him um, on the team. And, you know, for the, the end game of the, of the transfer fee, like you said. So um, it, it's, it's a great honor, but he's not, he's not the Galaxy's player. Like he's not under contract to the Galaxy. So yeah. this is a little bit of a double-edged sword here. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, and you, and you bring up a great point about poten- them potentially uh, stopping games, you know, for the break. I think with everything going on in 2020, you know, you see the, fi- the, the, the fires in California and, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything like that. They've had to adjust so many, so many things. I think it, it's going to be potentially hard for the MLS to want to take an additional break when they're already trying to squeeze games and to add the Canadian teams or, you know, everything with that going on I don't I don't right now I don't really see that happening um you know because both LA teams are are, are are gonna miss players so uh, it's exciting news but also I also see that it's it's also it's also get Pavone is starting to get more and more expensive for the LA Galaxy as, as time goes on like I said last week if you had an offer I think within 12 or 15 million or if it was below 10 million that you know me and Josh were talking about that's when you pull the trigger but I don't, I don't know what those numbers are. You know, reports are coming out left and right. Right now, it's starting to look like it's, it's starting to get a little bit more expensive, uh, expensive for the LA Galaxy. And I think just down the road, if he continues to have the season that he's having with the LA Galaxy, potentially starts to, you know, say he wins MVP and stuff like that, then I think he just gets too expensive down the road. I think right now is the, is, is the time to strike if you're the LA Galaxy because I think down the road, that's when it starts to get a little bit more tricky and complicated. And I can't see the LA Galaxy pulling the trigger on $20 million on Christian Pavone. So I think, I think obviously that's just out of the reach. And, you know, if he's being shopped around out there in Europe, you know, who says that any European team out there, you know, doesn't mind pulling the trigger on $18, $20 million. That's, that's nothing to a European club out there. You know, obviously some of the biggest clubs to an MLS team, the teams are not there yet, you know? So like I said, it's an exciting time, but we'll see what happens with him. Uh, nevertheless, he's had, even though he had a bad game yesterday, he's still having a great season. So I want to move on to, obviously, LAFC. Um, tough loss against uh, the Seattle Sounders. Just give you a quick, uh, quick stats. Third shutout since the restart, and they're 0-4 on the road. A lot of those things have happened um, because of the defense, of them not being able to score. Talk to me a little bit about the LAFC and what you've seen from them. Yeah, I mean, they're going through a tough time, and – it feels like, like, I think the game against Seattle on Friday was a game where it feels like the bounces aren't going their way. You know, it's just, it, it wasn't a terrible performance, but um, conceding two penalties in four minutes in the first half uh, was just one of those like, ah, what are you doing kind of kind of things. I think the first penalty was, you know, like rock solid. Like that was a definite penalty. It was a handball on, on Dayan Yakovich. And then the second one live, I thought, well, that's not a penalty. You know, what, what is that? What's going on? I watched the replays and I was like, okay, I actually, I can see why it was called. You know, it was one of those where it's like, okay, with a, a little bit more time and a few more views, uh, I do understand it. Although I think it was a little bit more marginal than the first one, but 
so be it. Um, and yeah, it was just like, by the time they're down two nil, you know, the fight wasn't out of them, but they just couldn't get anything going. They were, um, you know, trying to hold onto the ball and they did a pretty good job of holding onto the ball, but then they couldn't really progress and attack very well. I think the Sounders are really, really good at defending in a low block. And so once they had the lead, that's what they did. And then LAFC just could not um, break them down. And um, that's, I think, basically the the primary strategy Seattle uses and it played right into their hands. And so, you know, once, once they took the lead, they went to their um, defense first approach and then that's, you know, that's it. And that's, that's how the game uh, shook out in the end. So, so it was another tough one. And um, yeah, just, I, it's just, they're in a slump. Like that's, you can't really say too much more, on, on kind of a general level, I think at this point. Yeah, and I, I, I'm gonna agree with you on that on that second. The first penalty, the first penalty, uh, clear obvious. I don't know what Djokovic was doing there. I don't know how he thought he was gonna get away with that. When it, you see, and it did take a couple minutes for the referee, you know, to, to you know, he was. I think he was called. They let him know from upstairs that you know, hey, we gotta review this play. I agree with you on the second penalty. At first, you know, watching it live, I was like, oh my god, that is such a weak call. That is not a penalty. I watched it again, and I watched it again before we hopped on. And then you see, okay, the way Blessing, you know, pushes him back, and you're you're there, and it, you see the replay. And we don't know what view the ref the, re, the ref might have such a better more better view because he's there, right? Right. So looking at it, I would agree with you that it makes that call easier for the ref. You know, it just makes it easier just the way it goes on. So it, it's very tough. So I just want to talk about Galax. Uh, uh, excuse me, LAFC's. Both of those goals came off set pieces. So now you're talking about since the restart, they have seven goals from seven goals against from set pieces. And total that's a seven that they have 15 goals against and eight goals for all the and then negative seven, you know, goal differential. And that's the same number of set pieces. So if you potentially limit the set pieces, you're you're about even, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it just to me, if you're LAFC. I think they're not really. I don't know if they want don't want to admit to it. They, you know, but they they have issues on the defensive end. They have they have issues on the set pieces, and they haven't gotten better since we've seen from the last games. It's it just they're just a consistent thing that we've seen from MLS's back tournament. You know, that's how they got knocked. I, I view it. That's how they got knocked from the MLS tournament from that corner kick with John Moutinho ended up scoring, and obviously they went out to penalties. I think they've they've struggled a lot. Last week, I brought up the issue with Vince, you know, of uh, Walker Zimmerman. I don't believe that the reason why they're this way is because of Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman, I believe that they don't have someone that, that has that voice and the back presence that, that you've seen with the Walker Zimmerman. You don't, you don't have that relationship with Eddie Segura and Walker Zimmerman. Vince brought up a great point that he was learning Spanish and him and Segura were, were on point. And I don't see that from Djokovic. I don't see that from Tristan Blackburn which I, I need to add that he was, this is the second back-to-back game that he was out. So it looks like his injury may be a lot more serious than, than, than we, we, we might have thought. So I think with all these things going on, LAFC have not addressed the issues on the offensive end. And they're also having issues on the offensive end. And the way I feel like it's being looked at, because they had such a breakout season last year, they're breaking every single record, scoring all these goals, winning all these games. I understand, I understand why the fans are so upset. Also, I don't think they understand that that was not sustainable. To have a season like that was not sustainable. And where you're, uh, in a way, kind of spoiled and used to that. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, LAFC is always going to win and doing like that. 
I don't really think people realize that that was not sustainable. That even if you had a regular 2020 season, I I wouldn't expect LAFC. I wasn't expecting LAFC to have that type of season. Maybe Vela still scoring goals like that, but not to you know. I think they had over 74 points or something like that in the regular season. I, I just didn't expect that to happen, and I think you know some fans are getting very frustrated because they they've not been used to losing. I think to me the biggest point is on the defensive end, and they haven't brought in anybody to address those issues, and I don't see. I don't see a leader in the defensive end. I don't, you know, I haven't seen, you know, I don't, I, I think uh, Eddie Segura is too quiet. Uh, Tristan Blackman, he was supposed to be, the, the, he's a replacement for Walker Zimmerman. I, I don't think he's been able to step up. I like the way Diago uh, uh, Palacios plays. He's SB, but I don't know how vocal he is in the back. You know, you have, you have Latif Blessing on the right back and then you're switching for Andy Nahar. So there's a lot of moving pieces back there that I don't believe they're really solid back then. You know, they're not going to come out and tell us what's going on. But I think you know if this doesn't get addressed, I don't I don't really think uh, LAFC is going to have uh, you know a long a long playoff this year, if, even if they get there. Yeah, because they're below the playoff line, believe it or not, at this yeah. point, um, based on what happened elsewhere this weekend. So um, I still think they'll make the playoffs, but um, it may be a little bit tighter than all of us expected that it was going to be. But um, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think about it a little bit differently, but I, I kind of agree with you as far as. Um, the sustainability of, of this spectacular season they had last year. Um, to me, it's more a matter of like kind of things are evening out right now. And again, I think um, there's like man-made decisions as to that are contributing to the struggles right now. And there's obviously external factors that are contributing to the struggles, like just the state of the world and the season being so choppy and all that. that pretty natural process in sports of like things sort of even out you had a year where all the bounces went your way and now you're having some mm -hmm. games where the bounces are not going your way and that just kind of happens sometimes and I realize that that's um very unsatisfying if you're a fan it's unsatisfying if you're the coach or the players but I just there there is a, a factor there's like a a force in the world that sort of you know has that balance sometimes and and so that's that's how it goes um, but yeah, I mean, the defense, I think the attack, you know, they're, they're not uh, scoring three times a game, every single game like they were doing, but I think uh, by and large, they're doing pretty well. I think I'm with you. The defense is, is really where the, the, the general kind of mental malaise, which the team has admitted to having in recent weeks, that and, and the defensive breakdowns, um, I think are the two big culprits right now for, for their struggles and for the sustained uh, issues at present. Um, just they they can't get out of their own heads right now. And, you know, that that stat about the the set piece, uh, conceding on set pieces, that's pretty damning. And, you know, that's something that, um, you know, kind of kind of sticks out like a red flag. So it'll be interesting to see if they can adjust or if this slump is just going to kind of continue to rumble on. Yeah, and I just want to add, I think the defensive things are leading to the offensive struggles. We know that Rossi can score. We know that PWP can score. Brian Rodriguez, I don't know. You know, I think I think it's a it's a little it's a little bit more uh, you know tricky situation with him. And I just kind of want to get a little bit more more on uh, his situation. Uh, there were reports um, that rumors. Let me let me be clear. There were rumors that you know Torino FC, you know, from Italy was interested in that the rumors were that LAFC was in negotiate, you know, an aggressive negotiations to, you know, potentially sell him or, you know, an op or, you know, sell him on loan. Um, 
I'm not surprised that you're hearing these rumors, you know, leak out and I'm not surprised that everything's coming out because I don't know if, you know, I don't believe Brian Rodriguez has lived up to his transfer fee. You know, I do understand. I do understand he's young. I do understand, you know, you know, it's been a crazy year, but I think when you come from Uruguay and you, you know, you played on the U19, you're, you're getting called up to the national team and your LAFC pays $11.5 million. I think it was a second or third biggest transfer fee. Um, that is a big price tag. And there's a lot of expectation that comes with it. I think right now there's a lot of different things that, you know, with those rumors coming out, I wouldn't be surprised if they're true. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if LAFC are willing to shop him out because you've seen Bob Bradley start him and also take him out at halftime. This again against the Sounders, he was one of, one of the first players to come out. You know, so that tells me that you know Bob Bradley's not getting what he wants out of him, and he's he's one of the first players always to sub out. I understand people make the case that he's leading the team to assist. I don't think Brian if Eduardo Testa was was healthy. I don't I don't know if I don't know if Brian Rodriguez would be leading the team with assists. And I don't know if LASC paid eleven point five million dollars to give him six assists and I think one one goal. I don't think that's the type of money. I don't think that's that that's the money that they were trying to expect in return. So I just want to get your thoughts on him and, and the rumors. Yeah, well, I don't think the deal was done as of Friday because he played, right? Like if the deal was pretty close to being done, he would have been held out and he's not yep. been held out yet. So until that happens, I don't think we need to be too concerned about him uh, being on the plane yet. Um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm just acknowledging the rumors that. Yeah, I'm of course. Um, so his, his uh, agent has been shopping him like basically since he got signed by LAFC, like he, he signed on the dotted line with LAFC and then the agent's like, okay, and now I'm going to Europe and I'm going to do the same thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they've been putting in stories for a year basically about him signing in, in Italy already. Um, and I think there's definitely cause for interest. Um, you know, I don't think it's unfounded. Uh, I am curious to know if the teams are interested in him and watching what he's doing in MLS and saying, mm, maybe not, maybe he's not up to par or if they're watching him struggle a little bit and saying, well, you know, MLS sucks. So let's just get him, you know, yeah, <laughs> we'll do yeah. much better here. You know, yeah. it's, it must be all his, play, his teammates suck or something like that. You know, it's not that we'll have to see. Um, I definitely agree that he's not lived up to the the transfer fee so far. I think there's been a lot of moments of, of promise from him, uh, reason to be excited. He's obviously played basically every game uh, since he's he's been eligible um, to play, which, you know, we saw with like Andre Horta, for example, he barely played. In contrast, Brian Rodriguez is playing uh, pretty much game in, game out. Um, but it, there, there seems to be a, a feeling of you you can see like the wheels in motion and they're not really like they're not really on track if if that makes sense like when it comes to Diego Rossi on the other hand like he slotted in immediately and he looks like he fits all the time with the rest of the team in contrast Brian works hard I think he's you know he's trying hard and and Bob Radley has said a few times that he thinks that maybe uh Brian's overthinking things a little bit and that's kind of getting in the way, you know, like maybe he's just in his own head a little bit too much. Um, and that's, that's sort of hurting him. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not going to say that he, he's a bust or anything like that, but I think that there is reason to believe that he, he should be producing a little bit more at this phase. And if LAFC can make a profit, I think they would take a deal pretty, pretty quickly in pretty short order. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see if, if that interest is actually legit. And if it is, then they would take it. I, I, you know, I don't have a, a source on this or anything like that. This is just an, uh, kind of a feeling on my part. I think if they were lowballed and they were offered something less than what they paid, they probably would um, not take it and sit on it, uh, keep him around and, and see if he could maybe turn it around. But if, if it's any kind of profit, I think they would probably go for it uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, I would agree with you. Anything, anything less, because I think right now he's, he's too expensive. You know, he, he's, he's too expensive. And right now, I don't think he's a bust, but I think LAFC, the way what you've gone out of him, you've overpaid. And um, this is, I don't obviously him come from Uruguay and all these things, and, you know, he's playing with them and, you know, obviously he's getting called up, you know, the head coach there really likes him. And he really knows he has talent. LAFC knows he has talent. He came from Peñarol. I know he came from a great club from Uruguay. I think that LAFC not being able to get the production out of him, I'm not saying this is Bob Bradley's fault. Uh, I think it comes down more to the player because sometimes I feel like his effort is not fair sometimes. And, you know, when you start to get too predictable, you don't pass the ball. I think there's only so much Bob Bradley can do. And if he's not producing, I think ultimately comes down to him. And I don't think he's been doing a good job of, you know, showing his talent and, you know, adjusting, you know, when we've seen Bob Bradley, like I said before, Bob Bradley has called him out and says he's too predictable. He has to play better. And I think, that is, is just, I don't know what else Bob Bradley can do. And, you know, and if they do decide, uh, obviously they're going to hold on to him because if they can't, like you said, they can't get a profit out of him, that you, you just hold on to him and just pray that he does something good with the national team. And, you know, and then that way you could potentially, you know, get a profit out of him, even if it's a million or two of, of what you paid, you know, because right now it's not really working out. And he's, on top of that, he's occupying a DP spot. He's playing every game. And I don't think – uh LAFC have uh, their depth of top is not that deep to replace him or give someone else a start. And I think that that is also an issue um, for LAFC. Yeah, if you, you know, I've said like, maybe what if you bring him off the bench? But like, who do you bring in? Adrian Perez? He hasn't looked that good. Do you bring uh, Danny Masewski? I think he's more, he's, he's a striker. So it's, you know, it's a tricky situation, uh, you know, and obviously Bob Bradley has to handle all this. I, but I think it's it just, it's just his, his, his play has been, disappointing because of where he's came from and you know and what you put there what we saw from Rossi you know he's younger than him so I think I think on that end I think to me he just hasn't lived up to it and I I honestly don't know I wish I really knew like hey what's the reason but from outside looking in and watching the games I think I think it really comes down to him and him not being comfortable in the system and him you know doing way too much when you just gotta look you're coming to the MLS Peñarol is such a great team you know a lot of talent out there it's just it's just very mind-boggling, and I'm assuming LA, all of LAFC too, and the executives are probably also scratching their head and you know trying to find a way uh, how they could, this could potentially make work. Um, but moving on, I want to talk about Diego Rossi. He also got called up uh, to the national team. I think this is a big, a very big thing to him. Well, actually, I know it is because I think when the the inaugural season, I remember I had a conversation with Bob about him and Rossi had they had talked about I don't remember the whole conversation but they had talked about getting uh Rossi's you know goal was getting to the national team and you know to see that come to fruition and see that happen because of his play in the MLS 
And see that happen because of this play with LAFC and Bob Raley, I think is just very exciting. And, you know, I think you're going to start seeing that from a lot of the players. Yeah, um, it's huge news. And, you know, we were talking earlier about Christian Pavone uh, going to the national team, potentially being really bad for the Galaxy as, as far as the transfer fee. I mean, it, the reverse could be the case for LAFC with Rossi because if he, you know, starts off pretty well with, with – if he gets, you know, to playing time with Uruguay and then he plays well, he scores some goals, I mean, his transfer fee is just going to shoot through the roof – and that's going to be really good for LAFC when they, you know, finally come around to selling him. Um, beyond that, I think it's just a big accomplishment for him because, you know, Uruguay is a tiny country, but it's it's one of the most, like, talent-rich per capita mm-hmm. countries in the world. And, you know, the, the starting strikers for about a decade have been Luis Suarez and Edinson Cavani, who are basically household names mm-hmm. um, in the sport. So the path for him was you know, pretty tricky to get through. Um, so it's nice that um, with Cavani not getting called up, you know, Rossi seems to maybe have been the first name uh, or one of the first names to, to get the call uh, without Cavani in the, in the roster. Um, it, it's really exciting. I, I've long felt like he's somebody who deserves a chance with the senior team. Um, I realized that, you know, different players can hit, with different teams. So maybe Brian Rodriguez is better at the, you know, the international level and maybe Rossi they thought would be better at the club level, you know, that, that happens sometimes, but for Rossi to get an opportunity to actually show what he can do on the senior uh, international level is is really cool. Um, I think he's having a fantastic season. So I am, you know, obviously too, if LAFC play while he's away, that's going to be pretty bad for LAFC, but uh, for him on a personal level, you know, seeing in the last three years, this is this is really exciting and, and something that um, I personally am, am really, really happy about. And, and hopefully he he takes this opportunity with with both hands. Yeah, no, I'm, ex- I'm, uh, I'm excited for Rossi, too, because I think this also speaks volumes of the league and also speaks volumes. If you're coming from South America, if you're coming, you know, from Argentina, you're coming from you know, Uruguay, that you can come to the MLS and you can get looked on by your national team, you know. You get there, we're starting to see the shift. You know, we're starting to see that that shift, and that's happening right before our eyes. And uh, and I'm not going to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to happen. Right? We have obviously uh, LAFC have Diego Palacios, Cifuentes. Those those guys look like they'll, they'll probably get, potentially get called up for the national team. And I think right. that's that's a lot of the things that you're, you're going to start to see with all these MLS teams. Granted, obviously they have to be playing well with the, with their certain club, but. Big, big kudos to Rossi just because, you know, he has that explosive speed. And, you know, when that happens, when he, he does decide to, you know, when the LAFC does decide to sell him, you know, goes to Europe, wherever, this, wherever they sell him to, I think it's just going to be exciting because that's what LAFC and that's what the league wants to be a, a selling league to these higher teams, you know. So it's, it's, it's just it's slowly going to that. But I think this is a stepping stone really have to see that their, their their model is working you know their model is working obviously the next the next step is to sell these players to higher clubs and then you start to continue going that model um so yeah so so kudos to them um also want to get into on the on what we've seen from uh, lafc when those players do leave to obviously to Uruguay and start to play you're not going to have ross and you're not going to have um brian rodriguez I guess there's sequences and stuff. So we're really going to see uh, how deep LAFC really is. And I think with everything going on, 
I don't I don't know how excited you are if you're an LAFC fan if you're gonna lose like four players potentially. True, but I mean most other teams are gonna be going through the same thing. So you may find you're gonna be playing deep bench guys and starting positions and you know have a midfielder playing left back for some reason and just kind of you know crunching guys into whatever you know hole needs to be plugged but the opponent the opposing team will probably have something similar um to deal with as well so you know we'll have to see what the schedule looks like at that point um we'll have to see how many games it's gonna you know affect and and we saw that when uh bob bradley sort of cleared his bench already this season against uh, RSL, you know, that was a, a pretty bad loss. So doesn't look too good, but <laughs> again, it, you know, I mean, it, that may have been the, you know, that, that may have been kind of take your lumps night and hopefully the second time around, maybe it'll be a little bit easier, but um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I, this is just one of those seasons where it's like, you know, you just got to put up or shut up and you have to roll with the punches in a way that you've never been asked to before. Um, so we'll, you know, I mean, all you can say is we'll see what happens, right? Yeah. No, I'm not good with you. I mean, I've been, I've been very impressed with Danny Masuski coming off the bench, you know, scoring goals on like 10, 15 minutes of play. Also Latif Blessing. I mean, he's asked to play in the right bag. And as soon as he gets subbed or someone gets subbed in, he goes into the midfield. Like he does so much for the team that I, I thought he was just going to play right back. But I, I asked Bob Bradley, you know, uh, after the game, uh, how much we would see when we could potentially see Andy Nahar play 90 minutes, you know. And I think that's been kind of, you know, a struggle for them because, you know, I thought he was going to be back for the MLS back tournament. It looks like, you know, it's, it's been a very slow process for Andy Nahar. Uh, we know what he can do. We know, we know he has his speed. But I think it being such a slow process, you know, to a point, you know, it's a little difficult if you're, if you're an LAFC fan and you're, and you're watching how the team is playing because, you know, you know what Andy Nohar can do. So, you know, and I, I don't know, sometimes he'll start, sometimes he'll come off the bench. And, it, and to me, it's like sometimes he gets a lot of minutes, sometimes it doesn't get played. So I think that's another tricky situation that, that you're going to have. But, you know, we should also mention once these players do go play with the national team, potentially maybe by that time you do have a Carlos Vela. I'm not sure if we're going to see Carlos Vela in phase two. I think you'll probably see him in phase three. I have no news on this. I have no source on this. I'm just going off of, you know, what Bob Bradley said that he's still weeks away. So I don't, I'm not sure if you'll see him here in the, in the, in the, in the, in the phase two, you know, just, just with everything going on. I'm glad that they have a Duarte Cuesta back, you know, you, you saw instantly in that second half, I gave him that, that boost, you know, boost of energy, but it didn't, and then it still just started to fade away. Obviously, he's a key piece for them. But once Vela comes in, I, I'm assuming you'll start to see some of those goals start to come. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, obviously, when before uh, the season stopped, Vela was on fire. He had continued his hot streak from last year. Um, and there was no reason to believe that he wasn't going to, you know, continue playing so well. I mean, MCLs usually are like three to four months. So... Mm-hmm. If that's the case in his situation, then I would say maybe October we can think of he'll, you know, maybe he can come back in October. Um, you know, Bob Riley only said weeks to go. So, you know, I think that kind of lines up, but I still think he's got quite a ways to go. So I don't think we can really be counting on him at this point. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Edward, I think was really, really good 
against San, was it no Portland against Portland? He was really good. Um, he set up a goal like <laughs> a couple minutes after he came off the bench. Um, I also think that Janela and Cifuentes, for the most part, have played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they struggled a little bit um, against Seattle, but you know, for the most part, I think they've they've been really good. And I think the idea is that they are the succession plan for the likes of Edward and you know maybe Mark Anthony Kay if he also gets sold on in the future. Um, and I think that they, they're already kind of like, you know, getting used to the system and getting adjusted. Like basically what happened with Edward in his first year, um, you know, he was a little bit up and down in 2018 when he joined the team. And then by last year, he was really, really good. So I think that that's kind of the expectation. And for me, so far, what I've seen with um, Cifuentes and, and Janela is promising. And I'm really excited to see what they can do moving forward. Yeah, no, and it's very exciting, right? I think that is where the, they're most deep and they're, they're strong. They're, they're the strongest is in the midfield. Um, you know, there's no lack there. It's just, it's just interesting to see when, you know, if you have Eduardo Twista back, are you going to play Janela? Are you going to play Cifuentes? Or, you know, America and Dini You have Latif Blessing. You know, it's a good problem to have. You know, I think obviously there's other areas where it needs to be addressed. And I think we'll definitely see Latif Blessing um, obviously go back and forth from defense to midfield, just, just the way things are going right now um, for them. So, obviously, they got they got the Vancouver Whitecaps coming up on Wednesday. And then let me double-check on Sunday, I think. Uh, let me just double-check. Do you know who they play on Sunday? Let me just double-check because I thought I had a, have an event part here. San Jose. So, they have two promising games, uh, obviously. Uh, Vancouver is a very vulnerable game. Uh, San Jose, they we know what they did to San Jose. I think they they already got the number pick. They they know how to they do really well against that man marking. Um, so going to these next two games, um, these are very winnable winnable games for them. I think anything less of that for LAFC would be disappointing. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I would see it the same way. I mean, uh, Vancouver are coming off a win, um, but they've been struggling just about as badly as they did last year. Um, and remember that Vancouver was one of the few teams to beat LAFC last year. So uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch. But um, I definitely agree that it's a winnable game. It's something that they ought to be going for all three points in. Um, and I think if they had a six-point week, um, you know, that wouldn't fix everything. But I think it would help everyone believe a little bit better. It would it would kind of uh, cool off the fans a little bit. I think it would help the players believe a little bit better. Um, you know, I think it would be a big boost if they could win two games, um, with however many to go. <laughs> it's like, 10 yeah. More to go or something yeah, yeah. Lunch. um, so yeah. So for me, it's, it's kind of six points or bust, I think for this week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to add on to that. It's just, um, just the way we've seen, I think these are, these are games that you're going to, you know, white to get, to build up confidence, potentially you're going to start to see Eduardo Twist to play more minutes, maybe come in the second half, um, you know, 45 you know things start to trend upwards and both of these games are at home so I mean that's another that's another benefit that they have going on for them um do you have any word or anything about the schedule because I know only three games came out and we're supposed to have six games for the phase two or do you think this may be it for phase two and then we're just potentially move on to phase three um I really don't know at this point um I heard that there's going to be another El Trafico so um you know they're just packing the slate full of those games. Um, apparently this year, I think every 
feels like every third or fourth game is one of those. But um, beyond that, no, I think, um, like I said earlier, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the league is still trying to figure out things like, do we play through an international break or not? Um, what can the players actually withstand? I mean, I really think that the teams are getting exhausted. I'm a bit concerned that it's a little bit too much at this point. I hope that the league can kind of respond to the quality of play. And, you know, in some ways it's exciting because we're seeing teams that don't normally slump slump badly. And we're seeing, um, you know, everyone have a chance to win. And that's typically been a hallmark of MLS in general, but even more so this year. Uh, But having said that, I think at the expense of like major injuries and um, people just struggling to get through games and, and just seeing the exhaustion on, on the responsive and, and sort of says, okay, how can we do this in the smartest way possible um, that we don't, you know, really burn everyone out and, and, and make the games really bad and, you know, in, in response. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be very interesting to, uh just to hit on your point of El Trafico, if they add another one, for me, I would want them to hold it off if they could um, to when potentially Carlos Vela comes back. I know you said seven months, I think October around that time, um, just so you can have finally have a Chicharito and Vela matchup, right? If you could potentially yeah. hold that off till phase three towards, you know, towards, you know, towards the end of phase three or whenever we would assume that we could see Carlos Vela back. I think it would be smart if the league was able to do that, you know, hold that off because I really think I, I think for El Traficos, okay, I get it. It makes sense. Uh, I know there's some people that think it takes away from the rivalry. Me, I just, you know, it's 2020. So, you know, I understand what, what's going on with the travel and everything. I get that. If you're going to have another fourth one, I think I just, just try to hold off to have Carlos Vela and have Chicharito just, just to see that, just to see one game. And hopefully both, of, both of the players are, are healthy by that. And I think it's just like, you're right. You make that point of, if, you know, they're trying to see what the schedule's going on and everything. And, you know, having three games in like seven days or eight days, I think it's definitely weighing, weighing a lot, a lot of the players and, you know, only certain teams, you know, are, are, are you know, have that depth, you know, we, we are seeing certain teams that are succeeding, you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, Sounders, they're, they're still, they're still on top. We're seeing, you know, uh, Kansas city, you know, sporting Kansas city, they're still on top. They were on top last year. Um, a surprising thing, you know, you see Dallas, FC Dallas are having a great year. And then I think some of the moves that, that you know, I'm kind of getting off topic up here, but I think when Minnesota United, uh, they picked up Kamara, um, that's a big signing for them. And, you know, just showing that they're really going for this for this season, you know, they picked up a player from Boca Juniors, you know, you're starting to see some of the moves that they're making. Um, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of seeing, I don't think we'll see any moves from LAFC. You know, I don't know the transfer window ends in October. But, you know, I would, you know, I don't know what their situation is, financial or anything like that. But, you know, I would like for them uh, to make some moves uh, potentially, you know, because because of the depth, you know, because of the depth and what they've seen on the defensive end. I'm not saying you have to go sign in an international player, but somebody in-house within the league, you know, a team that potentially, you know, is not competing as much like uh, Colorado Rapids. I'm assuming, you know, they have some defenders there or – any team in the league, I don't think you have to look outside, but I don't know how many teams are excited to want to trade and, you know, make LAFC better. You know, I think that would be kind of the struggle going on there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, at this point we've maybe hit a point where 
trades are uh, undervalued and, and teams could probably stand to benefit a little, you know, to, to do, look to do those a little bit more often because I, I think most trades now are for money um, or draft picks. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely value out there. It's just a matter of getting the right deal and, and, and getting the right players. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see which teams stand pat and which teams um, work to upgrade uh, in, in this weird transfer window that we're currently in. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, well, Alicia, that's all the time I have. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? No, I think that's good. I think we covered kind of the 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 law of the land for soccer in LA right now. <laughs> yeah, we definitely we definitely did. Um, uh, if you can let the people know where they can follow you if they don't already know. Sure, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Musings, and then my work uh, about the galaxy is at LAG Confidential, and about LAFC is at Angels on Parade. Let me ask you, what what does that mean, Soccer Musings? I don't I don't know what that means. Um, so I set up a Twitter account and I was like, well, I have to have a topic. So let me pick soccer. And then I have to pick a name. I didn't want it to be my name because, uh, my maiden name is kind of hard to, uh, spell and everything. So I thought that would be hard for people to find. So I was like, uh, I want to do some musings about soccer. Okay. Soccer musings it is. So I don't know, just kind of came to me in a bolt of inspiration i guess but uh very creative though very creative i always wanted to ask you i was like i gotta ask you next time she's on the pod (laughs) (laughs) well guys thank you guys again for listening uh to this episode if you guys enjoyed this episode make sure to give it a five-star rating on apple Podcasts, and you can also listen to uh you can also listen to this podcast on spotify wherever you get your music uh, if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Gio Garcia LA on Twitter and on social media. And make sure to follow LA Soccer. For Alicia, this is Gio. Thank you guys. Peace.